Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, everyone has a story to tell, and the Finley-Hancock County Public Library wants you to tell yours as a way to help foster greater understanding of our neighbors. Also in today's Keeping the Faith segment, America is becoming a more racially diverse nation. Is your church resisting this change or embracing it? State Representative John Cross discusses recent legislation to eliminate college admissions testing for high school seniors, address hazing on campus, and the potential legalization of sports wagering in the state of Ohio. And it is a must-see event for lovers of classic automobiles. Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course outside of Mansfield hosting the Vintage Grand Prix this weekend. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. Today, if you're looking for a reason to celebrate, as you always know, there is a reason to celebrate each and every day. Today is Let It Go Day. Let it go, let it go, let it go day. Just whatever it is that is bothering you, let it go. A day to let it go. It is National Hydration Day today. Make sure you get plenty to drink. Hydrate yourself today. National Pecan Sandies Day. National Pink Flamingo Day. (laughs) That's like, I I saw those two things together. National Pecan Sandies Day and National Pink Pink Flamingo Day. And I'm thinking that's every uh, stereotypical image I have of somebody sitting on the front porch at the trailer park. (laughs) Eating their pecan sandies with their pink flamingos in the yard. Uh, It is runner's selfie day today, which strikes me as a very dangerous thing to do. But nonetheless, runner's selfie day. I just I just report. I don't uh, I don't give you uh, any judgment on the quality of the observance. I just pointed out it is runner's selfie day. Can't necessarily recommend that, however. And uh, on a serious note, it is International Widows Day today. So, so uh, let's see here. What's going on? This is kind of interesting uh, now that we are into summer, first full week of summer. A little cool this morning. Uh, we've mentioned the first couple of full days of summer, Monday and yesterday, have felt more like spring than pretty much any day during the spring did. Uh, Today, it'll be a little bit warmer, but this is kind of interesting. Researchers at Binghamton University have found that mental well-being is higher in the summer compared to the fall. They say summertime associated with better diet quality, higher exercise frequency, and improved mood. The leader of the study, Lena Begdashi, says specifically, that good quality diet was associated with mental well-being, good sleep associated with mental and overall well-being, and also with higher diet quality and exercise frequency. While seasonal changes had an impact on diet quality and mental health and seasonal changes were associated with alterations in diet quality and mental well-being. Long and short of it, uh, they say that uh, we are better off psychologically in the summer than we are in the fall. So uh, it is crucial, she says, to recognize the dynamic relationships between lifestyle factors and mental distress to provide the groundwork necessary for nutritionists and healthcare professionals to improve therapeutic approaches. Which is a long way of saying that we uh, feel better in the summer than we do in the fall. Do you find that that's true? I don't know. I Maybe it's because I think... It's probably because we have more daylight. I mean, it's only, what, a quarter after six as we are doing this program live. If you're listening to the podcast, this may not apply to you. But uh, as we're doing this program live, it's uh, 6.15 in the morning, and the sun is already coming out. You know that it's going to be light until after 9 p.m., so you got plenty of daylight. Uh, We're certainly more motivated to exercise and be active more in the summertime than other seasons. So just interesting. I'm not really surprised uh, by that. Uh, This will improve your mood. I saw this on the uh, Newswire. The company that owns the dating app Bumble uh, gave all of its 700 employees worldwide the week off this week. I just said, hey, take a week off. Uh, Just sprung it on them. 
out of the blue, the surprise paid vacation week, a way to thank our team, they said, for the hard work and resilience that they showed over the past year. Uh, Further explaining the unexpected time off was uh, a since-deleted tweet by the head of editorial content for Bumble, Claire O'Connor, who said that the company founder, Whitney Wolf, had correctly... uh, it correctly identified uh, our collective burnout. And that's really what this boils down to heading off employee burnout. The uh, BBC noted that Bumble in particular had a big increase in users over the past year. Uh, they also uh, had their uh, IPO. They made their uh, stock market debut. And although giving employees an extra week's vacation, and by the way, they said, take the week off and it won't count toward your vacation this is a bonus week off. Uh, it's admittedly very unusual, they say, but some other companies have done, have made similar moves, uh, over the past pandemic year. LinkedIn gave all of its employees a week off in April after surveys showed signs of burnout and social media management platform Hootsuite is shutting down company-wide for a wellness week coming up next month. So they have one of those uh, planned as well. I don't know if your company is doing anything similar, but if you are a boss, a manager, a business owner, it's something you might want to keep in the back of your mind. If your employees are showing signs of burnout, give them a little extra time off uh, out of the blue, just out of the uh, generosity, uh, the goodness of your heart, and it could pay dividends on down the line. And certainly, you can argue that if there was ever a year we needed it, this would be it. But I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. So uh, if you (laughs) wonder about improved well-being in the summertime, that will do it right there. A couple of other things among the first things you need to know this morning. Interesting stories off the uh, newswire. It seems that many people are turning to spiritual advisors lately and not in the religious sense, at least not in the traditionally religious sense. Keen.com is a website that connects psychics with consumers. They say they have seen a jump of more than 50% for new users over the course of the past year compared with the same period a year before. So over the course of the pandemic, it appears that we turned (laughs) to psychics to try and tell us what the future may hold. I guess I can understand that. There's a lot of uncertainty as to... You know, is this the new normal? Is this the way this is going to be for ever and ever and ever now? Or are we going to go back to normal? What? And apparently we (laughs) turned to psychics in record numbers. Pew Research did a study and found that as millennials begin to dominate the economy, new age spiritual and wellness practices are transitioning from something that has been sort of on the fringe to legitimate self-help tools. 60% of millennials said that they accepted at least one practice in that new agey kind of uh, thing. Astrology would fall under that category. Psychics fall under that category. Horoscopes, uh, crystals, healing crystals. Um, Narayana Montefour is a senior astrologer at astrology.com. And says, at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people were really freaking out, just wanted to make sense of it all. And now, because a lot of people went through so much change over the past year, they want to know how to best adapt to their new life. They have digested the pandemic and want to begin a new way of living that is more spiritual. Kind of interesting. And apparently, they are shunning traditional organized religion in doing so in favor of this new age astrology psychic healing crystals stuff i don't get it myself but anyway it is kind of interesting 60 percent of millennials say they accept at least one of those types of practices i don't know what it says i'm not sure what this says either i saw this the other day on the newswire and i don't believe we brought this up Uh, i had this sitting in my stack, uh, my pile of things that uh, I thought was interesting, but that we didn't have time to get to uh, on previous shows. 
And I was thinking that I brought this up, but apparently not. Uh, so I'll, I'll mention it. A new national survey from WalletHub uh, ranks New Jersey the best state to live in America. New Jersey? Really? They say the Garden State has edged out Massachusetts for top honors, um, followed by New York, Idaho, and Minnesota. Best states to live in in America. Now, I don't know what the all of the criteria were, but it says the Garden State ranks in the top 10 when it comes to safety, <laughs> educate. That kind of goes against a lot of the things we hear about New Jersey, doesn't it? Anyway, safety, education, health, and quality of life. Now, New Jersey doesn't do so well in terms of affordability, but all of those positives outweigh that particular negative. And I'm not sure, again, what the specific metrics were, but New Jersey is number one best state to live. New York, number two. um, I'm sorry, Massachusetts, number two. New York, number three. Idaho and Minnesota round out the top five. New Mexico is dead last. Uh, Alaska, Louisiana, Mississippi, and South Carolina, the bottom five in reverse order. By the way, Ohio ranks 26th. And I because I had to look this up, Michigan, number 25 on the list. So... I think that just invalidates everything. If they're going to rank Michigan one state ahead of Ohio in terms of the best place to live, well, I think we have to take all of that with a grain of salt. But there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly sunny today with a high of 76, a few clouds tonight, low 59. Big things are happening at Liberty Benton Local Schools. They recently broke ground on a new elementary middle school building, as well as a field house project. Superintendent Mark Kowalski says the indoor turf practice facility will be utilized by all sports, the band, and the community in general. Just a great effort by our capital committee uh, in conjunction with our athletic boosters and our our school community really uh, uh, stepped up. And, and this all happened throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, and the generosity of our Liberty Benton school community is just amazing. In addition to the new school and field house, they're also putting in synthetic turf on the football field, along with a new track and some other track and field areas. Get more on all the upgrades on our website. A scholarship has been created from a significant legacy gift to the University of Findlay. The estate gift was made through the generosity of the late Becky Craig of Kenton, who passed away in December at the age of 83. Craig was not a UF graduate, but she was a frequent attendee and enthusiastic supporter of UF's civic band concerts, where her brother played the oboe for several years. In fact, she loved UF's band concerts so much that she left nearly $500,000 to the university for scholarships. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine is making a push to have 900,000 more Medicaid recipients in the state vaccinated by the middle of August. Ohioans on Medicaid have a much lower COVID vaccination rate than the statewide average, and the six managed care plans that handle Medicaid in the state are offering pay incentives to doctors and pharmacies to schedule more vaccinations, as well as arranging for transportation for Medicaid recipients to get to vaccination sites and providing after-hours opportunities. Dave James, I went in news. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources is investigating reports of mysterious bird deaths, The ODNR says the birds exhibit a combination of common symptoms that are not normally found together, including a discharge from the eyes. The ODNR says they've been getting calls over the past several weeks from across the state. Anybody who comes across a dead bird they suspect died from an illness is asked to call 1-800-WILDLIFE immediately. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. get to our cover story this morning. Everyone has a story to tell, and the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library wants you to tell yours. Sarah Clevidence is with us, the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library, with an update on what's going on as we head into the month of July. Hard to believe, Sarah, we're already talking about July events and uh, activities uh, here. My goodness, where does the time go? (laughs) 
Good morning. A summer read is just yeah, flying right by. No, but there's I still know. lots to enjoy. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Summer read continues. First of all, I want to make sure that we uh, point that out. Uh, still lots going on with respect to that. We still ha- we're having our weekly story time and baby time events out at the Waterfall Pavilion at Riverside Park this summer. Uh, so they've been having a great time out there. The bookmobile is often able to join them out there as well. So some some kiddos who haven't gotten to see the bookmobile have been able to uh, check it out, check out some materials while they're there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we have the Poultry Association doing a, a Zoom program for us tomorrow. Um, we're still doing uh, story times with the Toledo Zoo via Zoom. Uh, so just lots of activities happening all on our, our website, finleylibrary.org. And, and of course, the pop-up story walk. Yeah, I was going to mention the story walks because I, I still think this is such a, a great program. You have the permanent site uh, at Riverside Park and then pop-up sites uh, throughout the area for the summer. Correct. Yes, this week they're at um, Washington Preschool on Broad Avenue and then in the Arcadia Village Park. And so for those who are not familiar, explain how the story walk works. So for the story walk, uh, it's a picture book that has been sort of separated and spread out uh, along a pathway. And you can read the story as you take a nice little walk. Uh, We do picture books for those. Uh, Currently, the pop-up has Once Upon a Dragon's Fire by Beatrice Blue, which is this lovely story about uh, a village that's terrified of a dragon and two young children who decide to make friends instead of being scared. So families can read the story, but there's also little activities that that can take them from one page to the next. Mm -hmm. You might need to hop or bear walk or (laughs) um, help help parents learn how to engage with yeah. the picture book and their child in addition to just having a good time out there story yeah it, it's a it's a great walk through the park and then you stop at each uh, station and read another couple of pages from the book and it's it's just it's a wonderful thing to do with the kids or the grandkids um uh, again either at uh, riverside park or at the pop-up locations throughout the summer so uh, again more information on that uh, at the webpage. And we want to talk about and highlight this morning uh, a, a new program that, that you have uh, going on. I'm not sure exactly how new uh, this is, uh, but it is basically you want people to share their stories, become sort of human books, if you will, as a way to help foster greater understanding of our neighbors within the community. Talk a little bit about this. Yeah, so the, the concept is called Human Library, which actually started in Denmark several years ago, uh, but it'll be new to Finley this fall. We'll be holding our first human library on October 16th at Finley High School. So right now we are uh, seeking people who are willing to serve as books. Um, you know, all of us have a unique story, a u- unique perspective, uh, a history that, that makes us who we are. And we think that having conversations with our neighbors can help us understand where they're coming from and help us learn a little bit more about the world around us. Uh, so if you are interested in sharing your story as a human book in our library, uh, there are, is an application available on our website. Um, you know, we'll ask that human books are able to uh, have a 30-minute conversation with somebody uh, about um, you know, their background, what makes them unique. Uh, and then, of course, in October, we'll be inviting anyone to come uh, to that human library to come talk to our books. So immediately what comes to mind is this is a great opportunity to, like we said, foster greater understanding of our neighbors with different backgrounds, maybe a different heritage, uh, maybe a different uh, religion or race or sexual orientation or whatever uh, it, it might happen to be. But really, it, it goes beyond that. And you are looking for just about anyone. And I can hear people say, well, you know, I don't know that my story is particularly interesting. What do you say to those who would be hesitant because they don't feel like they have much to share? Well, you know, we know it's a, a big ask for anybody to be willing to put themselves out there and, and mm-hmm. share their story and what makes them unique. Um, but I think we all have, uh, you know, a different background. We all have uh, a unique perspective to our community. So, um Anyone's story would be a valuable addition. Yeah. But if you're not comfortable sharing your story, I hope you'll at least be willing to come talk uh, to our books and, and learn more about another's perspective. It might inspire you to uh, take part in our second annual Human Library that well, we, are, and, and, yeah, we are already the, anticipating this year. 
That that is a, a good point because I'm sure that uh, for those who participate who may think that their story is not interesting or unique may be inspired by some of the stories that they do hear because everyone, as you said, everyone has a story to tell and this is an opportunity to share yours. Now, uh, again, this is a program that will launch in the fall, you said, but you're looking for people to sign up now. How do folks do that? Sure. On our website, finleylibrary.org, if you go to the adult programs um, or even in our, our banners that, that scroll across the front page, uh, there's a little blip about Human Library and a link to the application. It's just a short Google form online. We're trying to collect uh, individuals and, and make sure that we have a variety of stories to offer in our library. You know, I, I'm thinking, and without wading into the the politics uh, of this or the social aspects uh, of this too deeply, but I think, uh, especially in a, a community uh, like like Findlay and and Hancock County, which is um, you know predominantly Caucasian, predominantly Christian, uh, there are a lot of things that can be learned from speaking to those within the community that maybe we don't ordinarily interact with, uh, it's really fascinating to uh, learn some of the background of those that we may not necessarily be very familiar with, learn a lot from something like this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we might uh, we might make a habit of looking at one, of an, one another and saying, oh, you look similar to me, your story is probably similar. Mm. But that's not necessarily the case. You know, yeah. uh, we could be looking at somebody who's a veteran or somebody who suffers from uh, a mental illness or who is a cancer survivor. You know, there's there's a lot of things that make our stories unique that might not show in our faces. Yeah. Uh, it is such a wonderful program, and we have it all linked up at our webpage. So we encourage people to check that out and participate. Uh, along with all the other things that are going on uh, in the uh, month of July, you've got more details on uh, the story walks, on uh, summer read programs, and everything else uh, going on in the coming month at your webpage, right? Absolutely, FinleyLibrary.org. Again, uh, Sarah Clevidence, Director of the Finley Hancock County Public Library. We have the link up at our webpage, too, at goodmornings.net. Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. As it happens, today's Keeping the Faith series actually kind of relates to the uh, Findlay Hancock County Public Library's human book program that Sarah was talking about just a moment ago. Growing racial diversity in America is a fact of life, and rightly or wrongly, conservative Christians are often viewed as a group that is at best resistant and at worst overtly hostile to this cultural change. But it is a trend that is not slowing down. In fact, quite the opposite. A U.S. news analysis recently found nearly 70% of the country's largest cities are more racially diverse than they were even in 2020. So instead of fighting it, the pastor of one church in Georgia has gone to extraordinary lengths to embrace this diversity, finding ways to reach new people for Christ with a multicultural ministry. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. Pastor Mark Hearn of First Baptist Church was shocked when he heard Duluth, Georgia Mayor Nancy Harris announce about the 57 different languages in the local school district. I was amazed to learn 57 languages spoken at the local high school. Uh, I didn't think there were 57 languages in the world, much less 57 at the local high school. And so we knew that we needed to make a concerted decision as to how to reach multiple language groups in order to meet the needs of our local community. When Pastor Hearn told the members of the church he wanted a multicultural ministry, he found a variety of questions. I think initially there was uh, fear as well as uh, uh, maybe a little bewilderment. Uh, a lot of people had had seen the community in transition but had uh, not yet seen the transition within the local church body. Uh, so the question was, uh, will this be effective? Is this, uh, uh, is this the future of our congregation? In his book, Hearing in Technicolor, Pastor Hearn writes about reaching the changing community of Duluth, Georgia. For the most part, this church has been exceptionally mission-minded, exceptionally uh, invested in the community. Uh, we've been here for over 130 years, 
And we knew that God had placed us here with purpose. And so if the community was changing and we were commissioned to reach the community, then our mission needed to be to reach the changing community. Pastor Hearn told us about Christians who attend church every week, yet are not aware of all the changes going on around them. We tend to circle the wagons around the people whom we have the most investment in and then don't even see uh, how the community is changing abruptly all around us. You don't have school-age children. Oftentimes, you don't know what the demographics of the local school are. Likewise, if a lot of churches have people that work outside of their community who commute in for church and don't see that the community has been changing abruptly uh, during the week. This book, Hearing in Technicolor, is actually Pastor Hearn's second on the changes that happened at First Baptist Church in Duluth, Georgia. He tells us the first was about the dramatic changes that happened with the church community. It basically was how did a church that was 95% Anglo become a multicultural community of faith over a period of about five to seven years. The subsequent book that's being released, Hearing in Technicolor, is kind of a pull back the curtain behind the scenes. We interviewed 35 people from within the church and also partners around the church as to what were the mindset shifts that took place in order for that transition to happen successfully. Hearing in Technicolor is a book about making First Baptist of Duluth a better church. We're great partners with the local school system. Uh, We're great partners with the city government. Uh, People are looking to us as to how did we make those transitional changes, as to how those transitional changes can be made in every aspect of life within our community. I think that we're helping people to see that the gospel unites and brings people together. Visitors to the church will be offered a bulletin in their own language, complete with sermon notes and a lot more. We also have Bibles that you, if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to keep it. If you'd like to borrow one, we have Bibles in 25 different languages that are available in uh, our four-year area. If someone obviously is speaking a language other than English, they're pointed towards this area where that they can uh, receive these items. And then you can receive a headset in which you'll be instructed that the entire service will be interpreted for you live if you want to wear that headset. When Pastor Hearn introduced this multicultural ministry, he decided to spring it on the members of the church. Much the same way as I have done in a variety of missionary experiences, uh, I preached with him interpreting in Spanish, preaching one phrase, then he interpreted in Spanish, preaching another phrase, he interpreted in Spanish. What the church did not know is that I had been coached by him for the previous six months uh, so that for the second half of the sermon, I would preach in Spanish and he would interpret in English. Here's how to get in touch with Pastor Mark Hearn about his second book, Hearing in Technicolor. You can contact me through our church website, uh, DuluthBaptist.org, mhearn at DuluthBaptist.org. This is John Clemens reporting. State Representative John Cross joins us on the line this morning now with a legislative update from the State House in Columbus. Uh, Ms. Cross, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. A lot that we want to get to uh, here this morning. A couple of things in particular. Uh, first, we are not all that removed from graduation season, so this is rather timely. You have co-sponsored legislation in the House that would remove the requirement for high school seniors to take the ACT or SAT college admissions test as a prerequisite for graduation. Explain the thought process behind that. Morning, Chris. It's good to be on your show again. Uh, House Bill 82, uh, Representative Don Jones and I sponsored a bill to uh, make the ACT-SAT test optional for all juniors. Back in 2017, the legislature made all juniors take the test. And basically, we believe market changes have taken place where we believe it, it needs to be optional for three reasons. Real quickly, number one, we the taxpayers pay for the test for the student the first time. It's about $40 per, 
protest. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't believe taxpayers should be paying for a test that a junior doesn't want to take and intentionally fails. Doesn't make sense. So take the money and reinvest it in education. I mean, we spend five million dollars a year uh, in the state of Ohio issuing this, giving this test to all juniors. I, certainly, I think we could save a little money, reinvest that in education. Number two. Not all colleges and most colleges no longer require the ACT test as part of college admissions. They have other ways now that they're looking at how students can be looked upon as successful in other ways. Um, So it really removes the testing barriers Mm -hmm. for entry to college in addition to financial barriers. Thirdly, most important for me, Every junior, when they take the test, that score is then averaged for a on the state report card as career readiness, and that that report card, which I believe is flawed, uh, will have a letter grade. So Finley City Schools uh, or Kenton City Schools, you'll show that career readiness score. And I've actually had economic and workforce development issues based upon that. So yeah. we've we've had. Uh, plant managers come into town and they say, well, I don't know if I want to move my family here. We may go somewhere else. They're not understanding that these report cards are flawed. So Mm -hmm. we've got to get that fixed uh, because of that. Uh, Folks, remember, as you mentioned, the ACT-SAT was intended to replace the much maligned Ohio graduation test as a requirement uh, to graduate. To clarify here, are you suggesting that we go back to the OGT, or would this bill scrap the graduation test requirement altogether? No, it, it basically just gives parents the option to opt out of the test. I mean, there's still... Juniors can still take an ACT test or SAT test if they would like to, but we're just giving parents the opportunity to opt out their junior uh, student if they would like to. So for those students, there would be no uh, graduation test requirement moving forward? Well, particularly uh, for this, I would say, you know, yes, there's other tests. I mean, well, first off... (laughs) We test these kids way too much, right? I mean, if there's well, that was, after test, yeah, that was going to be my my point. A lot of educators have said for a long yeah. time that the graduation test yeah. uh, requirement should be scrapped. So, does this do that? Yeah, 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 it does. That, that, yes, but but again, it, it wouldn't be a requirement for graduation. Yeah. Uh, once again, we're tr- we're making this optional, and again, this isn't about the students' success. This isn't about whether they can graduate or not. This is really just if a if a student wants to take an ACT test uh, for whatever purposes, they can. But the ACT SAT is not aligned with Ohio's curriculum. It's not aligned with our Ohio-based curriculum. So to me, it doesn't make sense that we're forcing all juniors to take this test. Uh, As you know, graduation test scores, and you alluded to this, graduation test scores have always been a significant component of the school district report card, uh, be that the ACT, SAT, or the Ohio graduation test before that. Uh, How would that be replaced in the formula to calculate uh, school effectiveness, or would it? Would it just be removed from the formula altogether? Well, if you really think about it, uh, Chris, if you have juniors that are intentionally failing the test because they don't want to be there, they go in and five minutes, they circle all the answers and leave. If you remove those students who don't want to take the test, you're going to probably have a better accurate uh, testing score and, and, a, and, a, a, and a letter grade for that report card. A fair point. So we're probably going to, right, we're probably going to see better results on the report card. But actually yesterday... Our bill, House Bill 82, got amended in the Senate, and the uh, Senate is putting their uh, report card bill into our bill. So a little bit of breaking news here. Um, We are going to redo the report card, uh, and that vehicle will be our piece of legislation to do that. So not only will our bill have the ACT-SAT become optional, the restructuring of Ohio's report card will actually now be a part of House Bill 82. So certainly, uh, those, um, 
certainly more to watch with respect to that. I don't yes. mean I, I don't mean to Correct. jump in here, but I want to make sure that we get to uh, this. The second sure. the second piece of legislation that has made headlines is the recently passed Senate bill legalizing sports wagering in Ohio. A number of neighboring states have already done so. We are a long way from the days when lawmakers fought tooth and nail against the expansion of gambling in the state. Where do you sit on the idea of expanding it even further? Well, I have no problem with uh, sports gaming in Ohio. I mean, I think we need to get it out of the shadows of, you know, behind the scenes and bring it to the forefront. And we just need to make sure that we're doing it properly. The Senate has a bill. I think House, the House has some legislation. Um, I don't know if we will get to that piece of legislation by uh, the end of this week or the following week, because I know we're trying to pass the budget and then we go on. Right. I guess technically summer break, but we might address that bill uh, uh, in the fall. But I I, I would vote um, generally to support having that here uh, in Ohio um, and and get it out of illegal situations and make it a a legal situation. The the Senate bill uh, did come under fire for the way in which it proposed issuing licenses for sports books. There are reports that some members of the House would like to see changes that would bring the state's casinos kind of back into the fold. The Senate Select Committee on Gaming wanted to have this bill on the governor's desk, as you uh, mentioned, by June 30th. Given the fact that members uh, of the House want to see some changes, uh, we're only about a week away from the end of the month. Is that even possible? Uh, I would probably make a bet that we won't get it done in a week. Uh, <laughs> no, no pun intended. Uh, no pun intended, right? So, I, I mean, I think there are, I'm, I'm concerned with the Senate bill. I, I think, you know, we, we need to make sure, can we do this? You know, let's, let's think about this. If our constituents here in Finley, Ohio, want to go to their local sports pub and watch some sports events and they're on their mobile phone, can they place wagers on their mobile phone? Can that local eatery or sports pub be a part of it too? Can they offer incentives and yeah. things like that? So, so it's it's more than just someone walking into a casino. Uh, we we want to look at the full spectrum of this, and particularly with mobile technology, how that all yeah. um, happens and operates. It so, is lots to think about. Yeah, it is a, a fair point that it is a very complex issue given the uh, digital nature of sports gaming and and so on. Uh, real quickly, and I've only got about a minute or so uh, left here, but real quickly, speaking of Senate legislation awaiting a vote in the House. Collins Law, the bill that addresses hazing, especially on Ohio college campuses, recently passed unanimously in the Senate. Any chance there will be any pushback when that comes up for a vote in the House? Don't I don't see that, Chris. I, I think we would probably uh, again. I can't speak for all of my colleagues, but I would say that that should be a, a, a easy piece of legislation. You know, we. We have zero tolerance for any type of hazing on college campuses. It doesn't belong there. As a, as the chairman of the Higher Education Subcommittee in Finance, you know we we need to make sure that that these things don't happen on our college campuses. We understand from time to time it does, but we certainly need to put the right laws in place to really send a message that we are just not going to tolerate that and and um very very sad to hear that these things have happened but i I believe we need to strengthen our laws and a lot of folks will applaud that uh news as well again state representative john cross with us this morning kind of a legislative update from the state house in columbus in these uh, waning days before the summer break miss cross thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thanks chris We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is one of those things you you just can't make this up. Uh, If if it were not a published, verified news story, uh, I would have trouble believing that this were uh, actually real. It comes from St. Petersburg, Florida, because a lot of things... In the broken news come from Florida, you know. But uh, a woman uh, was arrested late Friday 
following an automobile accident near her home. She was charged with DUI involving property damage, leaving the scene of an accident and driving with a suspended or revoked license. According to the arrest report, the woman struck a tree, a Taco Bell sign, and the water meter for the restaurant. Uh, and was caught after she was spotted speeding through two red lights near the restaurant. Police uh, said that she had an odor of an alcoholic beverage on her breath at the time of her arrest. What makes this weird, and again, were it not published and verified, I would never believe it, uh, the woman's name, Kanisha Booze. (laughs) Her name was Booze. Can't make it up. You remember yesterday we had the uh, story about the uh, woman who woke up to find that she was an instant billionaire. She went to the ATM to withdraw some cash, checked her balance, and it said she had a billion dollars in her account. It was at a Chase Bank branch, and I'm not sure exactly where that was. I don't remember the whole story, but we were talking about it yesterday. Uh, Here's another uh, weird story. And it also involves a uh, Chase Bank, um, and I'm not sure exactly where this is, but Maddie McGivern says, after a fun night out on the town, uh, she decided to peek at her bank account uh, just to see you know, what kind of damage she, she actually did. Have you ever had that? You've gone for a night out on the town and then you check your bank account and you say, whoo, I can't believe I spent that much money. Well, she really apparently spent a whole lot of money. She uh, checked her uh, bank account and found that she was $50 billion in debt. <laughs> she had the opposite problem. Uh, apparently the woman who found that she had a billion dollars in her checking account, maybe it came from uh, Maddie's account. She uh, <laughs> she posted a uh, image online of the uh, receipt from the ATM saying that her account balance was negative forty nine billion nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand six hundred ninety seven dollars and ninety eight cents. <laughs> her immediate thought was, what did I do last night? <laughs> What did I do? I'm $50 billion in the hole. A representative from the bank admitted that it was probably their error. (laughs) I would hope so. Oh, my. So apparently, uh, if you bank at Chase, uh, don't panic if something weird happens. Apparently, they've had some issues in their computers. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. Two men who walked into a wedding reception they weren't invited to left with more than they bargained for after they tried to steal the beer from the reception. It all happened back on June 19th at the Richland County Fairgrounds in Mansfield. William Beeson, age 22, and Justin Crowell, age 29, snuck into the reception and tried making off with a case of beer. Unfortunately for them, the eagle-eyed groom noticed the theft and confronted the wedding crashers. And that's when the thieves made the big mistake of trying to assault the groom at his own party, attended by all of his friends and family members. Needless to say, the other guests took notice, and, uh, well, they descended on the rabble-rousers like a pack of vultures. Uh, You can see in the uh, mugshots in the booking report that the pair were left with black eyes, cuts, bruises, and a free trip to jail uh, on charges of disorderly conduct, trespassing, and theft. (laughs) You crash the party, you tend to get what you deserve. But not only did they try to steal the beer, they assaulted the groom in the process. Not the brightest wedding crashers out there. And from the international file of the broken news, a couple of uh, interesting stories. In Japan, a woman uh, called the emergency line. Uh, it's 911 here. I don't know what it is in Japan, if it's 911 or whatever. Anyway, she called uh, authorities uh, saying that she had spotted a nude drowning woman. In a uh, in a lake uh, of the city of Hachinoi, 
Uh, emergency rescue crews were dispatched and discovered that the woman in question was, in fact, a floating adult toy. <laughs> a nude woman is drowning in the water. Uh, it turned up to be an inflatable uh, <clears throat> adult toy. Uh, the police did report that uh, they rescued uh, the doll. So they still don't know how it got there. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a Canadian woman has gone viral after sharing her story on TikTok. Emily McKinnon uh, says that she went on a date. She uh, hooked up with a guy uh, on uh, Tinder. And when he... When they got back to his apartment, he began to disrobe. And when he dropped his drawers, he released a pungent stench in her apartment. <laughs> she naturally refused to proceed any further. So he served her with a lawsuit. Uh, his claim was that she broke a verbal contract that they would, uh, you know, <clears throat> And he sued her over it. Now, good news. The lawsuit has been dismissed. Ms. McKinnon apparently convinced the man to drop his lawsuit after having a conversation with the man's father, who happens to be a lawyer. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> anyway, I don't need to go any further on that one. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It is definitely that brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news. The statistics that shape our lives. And it seems that the past year has turned Americans into a group of hoarders. It's probably not surprising that this has happened. A survey of 2,000 Americans finds that people have spent more money on items, uh, just you know, little, little things around the home for the most part. Uh, kitchen and cooking utensils have been very popular. 30% of uh, those in the survey said that they have uh, purchased those, spent money on stuff like that over the past year. 30% have added a bunch of home decor items. <laughs> to the point where maybe we're overdoing it in our home decor. 27% personal care products have been very popular. 27% of uh, respondents in the last year. Uh, random items like exercise equipment, a surplus of boxes, and even bird feeders have taken up space in American homes. These were some of the things that people cited that they have found themselves now looking back over the past year or so saying, why did I buy this and what am I going to do with it now? Uh, in the survey, two out of three, two out of three, two thirds of Americans are now desperate to find places in their homes for everything they bought over the past year to fit. <laughs> We've just realized that we have bought way too much during the pandemic. We binge shopped online and now we've just got too much stuff and kind of interesting that this poll comes out that I see this, uh, the day after prime day ends. <laughs> so be honest now, do you fall in this category? You probably do. Two out of three of us fall into this category and Furthermore, are you willing to admit that you probably added to your collection of stuff over the past couple of days during Amazon Prime Day? <laughs> so you probably have not made the situation any better. <laughs> okay, guilty, I will admit. 
Well, you know, I have always thought that this was one of the coolest events around for anyone who loves classic automobiles of all kinds. This weekend, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, just outside of Mansfield, is hosting the 2021 Vintage Grand Prix. Mid-Ohio President Craig Rust is with us this morning. And Craig, obviously, you host NASCAR, you host IndyCar, you host the, the big famous series that everybody has heard of, but this has got to be one event that you look forward to just as much, if not more, isn't it? It is. It is. And I've been fortunate through my career uh, to have a working relationship with SBRA. That's the sanctioning body uh, for uh, vintage motorsports, the premier uh, vintage motorsports. And so I've been able to work with them literally since 2000. So I've worked with them a, a long time. Yeah. Uh, they, they've grown, uh, but you said it perfectly. If you're a fan of motorsports and of cars, uh, this is, this is the event to come to. I mean, yeah. the, the cars are beautiful. Um, we always say that, you know, it, it, it these are amateur drivers. Um, they're very good amateur drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the cars are are the stars of this weekend, and to just walk around the paddock and to 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 see some of the um, historic cars and you know understand what they've done in motorsports through the years, it it, it it's just a lot. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, I, I was going to say for those who are unfamiliar with this uh, event. How would you describe it? Because this is not your typical uh, race event. Uh, no, um, it's not. Um, and like I just said, the, the cars are the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, these are the guys that have the wherewithal to go out and, and purchase some of these historically significant cars. Um, and they race them. And some have built, have built them from the ground up. Um, you know, so, uh, kind of pure replicas, but, um, it's just, yeah, the, the, the cars are just gorgeous. And one thing, and I've got to give SBRA a lot of credit, you know, back in the day, it was always just vintage and, uh, Tony Perella and his team have done an outstanding job. So we have added an aspect of pro racing to this uh, weekend. Um, so Trans Am will be there, um, as well as FR and F4, which is a, a kind of, um, uh, it's an open wheel series. Mm-hmm. Honda supports it. Um, but there's an aspect of some pro racing. So I really think we've got a great mix um, uh, of, yeah. of cars out there. And uh, again, it's, it's more about the cars and, mm-hmm. and uh, well, yeah, it, um, as you were, as you were mentioning, this is actually a circuit, an organization uh, called the sports car vintage racing association. I don't know how many people realize this is something that people actually do to go out and race these classic cars. I love their motto. Some people collect art. We race it. And that's really how you look at this. <laughs> these are forms of art. Yeah, no, it, it, they are, they are. And then the best part about it, and we'll be able to do it this weekend. You know, we're finally, as we all know, we're finally getting back to some form of normal. So our paddocks will be open. Uh, fans will be able to get up next to these cars um, and see them. And the drivers are more than happy. They love talking about it. Sure. So, you know, fans can get up and, and take a look at them, ask questions, and and really see these things uh these things up close and, and and that's probably the coolest thing and and you were mentioning how this has grown and expanded over the years here's what i was thinking and how crazy is this this is like uh the the 40th year i think it's the 39th annual hosted the first one 40 years ago uh so cars that were brand new when this started now could potentially be racing in this event i don't know if any are <laughs> but they <laughs> so a little crazy exactly there. yeah so, yeah. so give us um, so give us kind of uh, some of the highlights of the rundown because this is actually a series of races that'll be happening throughout the entire weekend. Well, um, so they break them up into 
different um, uh, divisions, so to speak. So mm-hmm. you have your classic, um, you know, you have your big bore, uh, you know, your your muscle cars um, and so forth. Um, you know, and then you go into kind of the, the, the smaller block, um, you know, Porsches and, and stuff like that. So they, they, they try to pair them up mm-hmm. into uh, categories where they can compete um, uh, effectively and fairly. Yeah. Um, but as I said, it was uh, just last year that, and because of COVID, it was kind of a, I, you know, wasn't the best of time to, to launch all this, but mm-hmm. you know, then we added Trans Am, and so Trans Am will be out there, um, and you know that's a professional uh, professional series, and right? So those cars are 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 gorgeous, and just so uh, people who may be listening or have not been out there for the first time, I, they they kept the name the Trans Am series because it holds a lot of. Um, brand equity and, and value, but they're not all trans ams. It's not just okay. trans ams out. Yeah. It it is it is a sports car series. Um but uh those um who are listening uh you know know um you know the trans am series used to just it, mm-hmm. it, it was it was right in high regard. Yeah. Um so Tony and his team uh, purchased that series and are kind of taking that around. Um, and then the F3, F4 with the open wheel. And, and a lot of these guys are kids, um, you know, and they're just kind trying of next- to make their bones in, in, uh, in racing. And so kind of, kind of the first step. So kind of, you got the, the classic cars and the future stars, uh, if you will. Exactly. And then you also have a couple of uh, classic car shows uh, happening on the grounds as well throughout the weekend. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to celebrate the the uh, uh British uh cars and and so forth. So there's some car corrals cool um out there which is which is great. And it what what is also really cool and this isn't a planned thing, but it's just uh, these the the car clubs or just friends who who know each other through these different car clubs, you know, they all drive up together. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's a Corvette or whether it's a vintage BMW or a vintage, you know, Jaguar, you know, what have you. But they drive up together and, you know, they park in the infield and park their cars um, and, and they love when people come up and just, so, you know, take a look at, at these classic cars. And, so, and again, they're more than happy to talk to anybody yeah. who's interested, uh, interested about it. So and that's what makes it fun. It is, I, I think what, it's a very relaxed yeah. weekend. And it sounds like. And that's. And that's makes it a lot of fun. You know, our, our IMSA race, our NASCAR race, our IndyCar race, they're awesome. And we love to have them. But this race is, and I keep going back to this, it's about the cars mm-hmm. and it's, it's just relaxed. You know, it just, it, it makes for a, it makes for a great weekend. Yeah, it is going to be awesome. Now, uh, folks can get tickets for the entire weekend or just go for the day, and you've got all of the ticket information and the full schedule, all, all of that on your website, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And it really is um, a good value. The weekend is $50. You know, if you want to come out for the day, it's 30 So it really is um a, a good value for folks absolutely especially uh, when you consider a lot of these are vehicles that you won't necessarily see uh at your uh, neighborhood car show these are some of the most uh, unique vehicles and uh, a chance to to see them in action is it, just a, a terrific event again uh, mid-ohio president yep. craig rust with us uh, this morning the 2021 Vintage Grand Prix at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course in Lexington, just outside of Mansfield. We've got the link up on our webpage. We want to check it out for more details. Craig, thanks very much for taking the time uh, this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, and hopefully we see a lot of 
new faces out there. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net, of course. So check us out on the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Habitat for Humanity going to be dedicating two new homes for deserving families this weekend. And their work for 2021 is far from over. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.